God, we love you. We give you praise. We give you thanks. We give you honor. We give you glory. God, it all belongs to you. That's why we're here. We're here to worship. We're here to give you praise and honor and glory. And God, we, we come to seek you this morning. God, this, this week as we talk about serve, as we finish up this series and about who we are at this church and what we're about and why it's important that we're about that. And so God, I just, I pray that you would once again speak through me. Now, don't let it be just my words talking, uh, but God, let it be your words for your people on your day. We are here for you. We love you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we have been, uh, for the last couple weeks, talking about who we are and where we're going uh, in our Rooted series. What, where are our roots, right? Our roots are in three words, connect, grow, and serve. Connect, grow, serve. Connect is about connecting people with people. And this year, as we talked about that a couple weeks ago, we really talked about uh, just unity, it's, it's, it's a step further than we normally go, just talking about intimacy and friendship and breaking down barriers. I, I want to go further than that this year. I want to I go towards unity. With a, we, can, we can praise God with one mind and one heart and with one voice. And Scripture tells us that as we do that, we give glory to God the Father. And as we are one, that the world will know that we are His disciples and that Jesus was sent to the world for them. No no better way to do that, Scripture tells us, than being one. So connect this year. As we go through the year, we're going to be talking a lot about being one as a church, being united as a church. And so I, I, want, to, I want to just preface that. That's what we talked about two weeks ago. Last week, we talked about uh, our growth, connecting people with God. Connect is connecting people with people. Grow is connecting people with God. And last week, we, we talked about Romans chapter 12, renewing your mind. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind that can only be done through the Spirit. It's not you that renews your mind. It's not you that transforms your mind. It is the Spirit of God within you as we seek Him. That, that you can renew and transform and find God's will in your life. We want to be closer to God on this day next year than we are today. It's a continual process of growing in Christ-likeness, maturing into the image of Christ. So this week, we're going to talk about serve. And what does it mean to serve here at the church? Last, last year, when we talked about serve, we talked about how each and every one of us have gifts and talents given to us by God in order that we might serve Him that we've been created to serve, that we've been gifted to serve, that we have been shown how to serve through the example of Jesus Christ in the Gospels, that Jesus was a, was a servant. He, he took the, the place of the least, even in the story of him washing his disciples' feet. That's a servant's job. That is not the, the job of, of the leader or the rabbi or the teacher. That is not his job. He's a, he's a servant. But we have been given this example of Christ to serve. And it's not a suggestion. It's not optional. It is commanded of us as Christ followers to serve. It's commanded of us. And so here's... Here's what I want to do to end this series. I'm not going to rehash that. You can, you can look back on last year's podcast and click play, and you can hear about all of that. We are gifted to serve. We, have, uh, we are gifted to serve. We're created to serve. We're shown how to serve through the, through the example of Jesus. This week, I want to end in, in kind of a different way. We began our series looking at a prayer of Paul and a prayer of Jesus. And, and as they prayed, both of them, Paul for the community in Rome, 
and Jesus for us as the believers who would come to believe through his disciples that we would be one. This week I want to talk about just about another prayer. And not a it's a it's a dangerous prayer and it's a it's a simple two-word prayer and here's what the prayer is. Send me. Send me. This is an uncomfortable prayer for us to pray sometimes. We we have trouble praying this. We I think a huge percentage of our prayers is often four things. God, would, would, would you give me this? Would you help me in this situation? Would you bless me as I go here? Would you help this family member? Would you pray? I want to pray for healing. I want to pray for all of this. And I'm not saying this morning that any of that is bad. In fact, I want you to continue praying like you've been praying. But I want to add something. And it's this prayer of, of availability. God, what would you have me do for you. Instead of just going to God and seeking the face of God and seeking the, the hand of God and saying, God, would you do this? Would you be in my life in this way? Would you bless me as I do this? Would you go with me as I go here? Could we just throw in this prayer? God, what can I do for you? God, where can I go for you? I am your servant and I am available. This is a, it's, a, it's a vulnerable prayer, but this is essentially what the prayer is about. It's about availability. I want to be available <clears throat> to God, and this is un- kind of uncomfortable because we're not really sure where God is going to send us. If we say, all right, God, I'm available. I'm going to go where you want me to go. I'm going to say what you want me to say. I'm going to move when you want me to move. I, I, it's uncomfortable because the question is always in the back of my mind, where is he going to send me? What's he going to ask me to do? Where is he going to ask me to go? The the cool thing, though, is when you have this prayer of availability, the possibilities are literally endless. Because God is going to move you and, and take you to places that you never thought that you would go. But God has a plan for you there. God has a purpose for you there. The possibilities are endless when you make yourself available to God. Now, all throughout Scripture, we're going we're gonna to go kind of in three different stories this morning. All throughout Scripture, we see God talking with people. We see God calling people and moving people and, and bringing them to certain places. And we see God moving in the lives of people and asking them to go and asking them to say and asking them to go and to, to do things for Him. He's trying to lead them and guide them in their lives. And in Scripture, there's really three responses that people have to the calling of God. We talked a little bit about calling a few weeks ago, looking in the life of Jonah. That's actually where I want to start this morning because that's kind of the first reaction that people have when God calls them. So I want, you to, I want you to go with me to the book of Jonah. We won't be there long. Jonah, uh, chapter 1. If you're in one of our pew Bibles on page 795, Jonah chapter 1. This is kind of the, the first response, or option number one, I guess you could say, in response to the calling of God in our lives. As God is, God is calling us to go or say or do, this is, this is one of those responses. Jonah chapter 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. 
Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Verse 3, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed off for Tarshish. He, found, uh, he went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port, and after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Here's, here is essentially Jonah's reaction, Jonah's response to the calling of God in one sentence. I hear you. And that's an important thing that we'll talk about in a little bit. I hear you. God, I hear what you're calling me to do. Here I am, but I'm not going. Here I am, but I'm not going. In fact, Jonah, we know the rest of the story of Jonah, Jonah has a lot of excuses on why he shouldn't go. Jonah really honestly doesn't think the people of Nineveh deserve anyone to go there. He doesn't think they deserve that God would have grace on them. He doesn't think that this is God's best move. I don't, he isn't really sure that God has the best in mind having him go to Nineveh. And so the, his response to the calling of God is, I, I hear you, and here I am, but I'm not going. I'm not going to do that. I don't agree with that. I don't think it needs to be done. And so, no. And I wonder, I want you to, and we're going to do this every single story that we stop at today. How many times have we done the same thing? We've prayed this prayer. Here I am. God, I, I hear you. I hear you calling me to go and to talk to this person. I hear you calling me to go into this place and to do this. I hear you calling me. I, I, and here I am, but, but no. I'm not going to do that. And we might even have our reasons for saying no, just like Jonah did. I, I don't think that should happen. I don't think that person deserves to hear from you, God. We might have some, some bitterness towards the people that God is calling us to. We might have some anger issues with the people that God is calling us to go and talk to. We might feel really uncomfortable with going there. I mean, Jonah going to Nineveh was, was a risky thing for him. He could, have, he could have died going there and saying what he said. He, they could have just turned and killed him. It's dangerous for him. Maybe it's going to be dangerous to go where God is calling you to go. And here's the response of Jonah. It's not a good one. Here I am. I hear what you're saying. I hear your call in my life. But no, I'm not going to go. Here I am, but I'm not going. Maybe you've got a story in your life of a time where, where this is the case. Where you can remember God calling you to do something and you just not wanting to do it, and it never got done. Here I am, but I'm not going. Here's, a, here's another response, kind of the, the middle ground response. In the book of Exodus, we look at Moses. If you want to turn there, Exodus chapter 3, starting at verse 1. If you're in one of our pew bowels on page 49. And Moses, <clears throat> kind of Moses sees the burning bush here. And there's, a, there's another response, kind of a middle response to God's calling here. Here's, here's what he says. Now, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Now, 
Not my first thought if I see a bush burning. Let me go see why this bush is not burning. Moses' first thought. I'm going to go see. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. I hear you. I hear you. I, I, I know you're here, God. I know you're calling me. Here I am. Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So from the hand of the Egyptians, sorry, I have come down to rest, so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hittites, Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Egypt. But Moses says to God, Who am I that I should go to the Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I want you to just see this. Who am I? Who am I? Here, here I am, God, but, but who am I? Who, who am I to go and see this? And we begin this kind of back and forth between God and Moses here. And Moses begins to, to just kind of question God. Verse 13 Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what's his name? What shall I say to them? Right? And God gives an answer. I am who I am. This is what you should say. You go to, go to chapter 4. Moses answered, what if they don't believe me? Or what if they don't listen to me and, the, and say the Lord did not appear to you? That's chapter 4, verse 1. Chapter 4, verse 10 they, they kind of in this back and forth. Moses says, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and of tongue. Again, just excuses flowing out of the mouth of Moses here. Who am I? I can't do this. Who am I supposed to say sent me? What if they don't believe me? I've never been good at talking. And he keeps, he keeps going. And then finally, in verse 13 of chapter 4, but Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Here's Moses' response to God's calling in one sentence. I hear you, and here I am, but send someone else. Here I am, send someone else. Now the funny thing is, is Moses absolutely 100% agrees with why God is sending him there. In fact, we know that because that's why he's in the wilderness in the first place. Moses is in the wilderness because he had to, to flee from Egypt because he saw the oppression of his people and he did something about it. He killed an Egyptian for harassing an Israelite. And then he ran. If anyone knows why they need to be there or need to get out. It's Moses. He was there. He says, here I am, but, but send someone else. In fact, you can make a case, looking at the life of Moses, that he was literally born for this. 
There is no one more perfect for God to send than Moses. Moses was born to an Israelite in a time where they shouldn't be having babies. They put him in a basket, send him towards the the Pharaoh's place in the Nile River. Pharaoh's daughter picks him up, adopts him. He's brought up in the Egyptian system. He's brought up in the palace. He's brought up essentially as royalty. And then he ends up killing an Egyptian because of the oppression that he sees and he flees. He's perfect for this. God could not have handpicked anyone else that would have been more perfect to go back and talk to the Pharaoh. He's, he's talked to Pharaoh before. He knows the Pharaoh. Pharaoh is essentially his grandpa. And he's going there to talk to the Egyptians, to talk to the Egyptians and say, let, God says, let my people go. And his response, here I am. I hear you. I, I really hear you, God, but send someone else. It's not for me. Send someone else. I wonder how many times we've done that. So, response number one. Here I am, but I'm not going. It's not for me. Send someone else. I wonder how many times we've done that. So, response number one. Here I am, but I'm not going. It's not for me. Send someone else. I wonder how many times we've done that. So, response number one, here I am, but I'm not going. It's not for me. Send someone else. I wonder how many times we've done that. So, response number one, here I am, but I'm not going. It's not for me. Send someone else. I wonder how many times we've done that. So, response number one, here I am, but I'm not going. Response number two, here I am, but I'm not going. Response number two, here I am, send someone else. Response number three, we look at in the life of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter six, if you want to go there with me. It's on page 590 in your Bibles, in in the Pew Bibles. Isaiah chapter six. Isaiah begins, has this incredible experience with God in Isaiah chapter 6. I want to just read this real quick. Isaiah chapter 6, starting at verse 1. We're going to go up to verse 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty." Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Here I am. Send me. 
Isaiah saying, I hear you. I hear you calling. In fact, I, I see you. I see you calling. I hear you calling. And here I am. Send me. Notice what doesn't happen here. Isaiah doesn't, he's not even, he's not even questioning at all. He's not saying, well, where are you sending people? I mean, what's, the, what's the climate like? Is it, is it nice there? I mean, am I going to have a good job there? Is everything going to be okay? You know, there's, no, there's none of that. Are there, there's not, not, no talk of benefits. And this is a dangerous prayer to pray. I, here I am. Send me. Without any clue where God is sending him. Without any clue about what God has in mind. God literally just says, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah raises his hand and he says, here I am. Send me. Here I am. Send me. This is a dangerous prayer. It's a vulnerable prayer of availability. I was reading uh, a while back and I came across this prayer that's kind of just stuck with me. It says, God, I give you my mind. I give you my eyes. I give you my mouth. May I speak what you want me to say May I hear only your truth today and have the wisdom to reject that which is not true. Here are my hands. May they be used to build your kingdom. Here are my feet. Lead me where you want me to go. Help me to do what you want me to do. This prayer is just a prayer of availability. This is a prayer that is a long way of saying, here I am. Send me. Here I am. Send me. And my, my challenge to you and to us this year is that we would have this prayer of availability always on our lips. That this prayer of availability, here I am, send me, would be a prayer that we pray as a church and as individuals. That we would be a people that are willing to go out and to serve. That are willing to go out and to do what God is calling us to do and we pray this prayer, here I am, send me. The question remains, how do we get to this point where that can be our prayer? I don't think we have to go very far to see this. Right? Even just in the story of Isaiah, I think we see exactly how he came to the point where he's able to raise his hand and say, here I am, send me. I think it's in the first seven verses there. But I've long said, for the two or three or four years that we've been talking about Connect, Grow, Serve, I've said that serve has to be born out of grow. Serve is a tangible expression of your growth in Christ. It's a tangible expression of you becoming more and more maturing into the image of Christ. I think that's exactly where Isaiah gets this. Because I think in those first seven verses, you see a couple things that happen here that get Isaiah to this point. Here's the first thing that happens. He has a genuine experience with God. He has a genuine experience with the presence of God. He sees the presence of God. In all of God's majesty, there's angels singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And it changes who he is. It changes things. When you have an experience with God, it changes things. I think some of us have maybe a hard time praying this prayer of availability. And I think maybe some of the reason is that we haven't maybe recently experienced the presence of God. 
In youth ministry, we used to have this, we used to go to camp all the time, winter, summer, we'd go to camp twice a year. Something I could count on every single time at camp was something that we, we called a mountaintop experience. These kids are at camp, and I'm at camp. There's no cell service. There's no touch with the world. You're up there, literally and physically, to meet with God. And just the, the way that, that minds shift when you're at camp is incredible. I mean, kids in my youth group would, would line up an hour early for chapel because they wanted to worship. They wanted to be there. They wanted to hear what was going on. They wanted a good seat for it. No one ever showed up early to youth group. But they're showing up every night, an hour early to chapel because they want a good seat. What's, what's going on here? They are having an experience with God. They hear from God in new ways. The, the, the pastor on the platform is saying the same exact things that I've been saying to them for years, but they hear it in a brand new way. Why? Because they're, they're open to having this experience with God, and they're there. They want to have this experience with God. And you can just tell at the end of the week or the end of the weekend in winter, you could tell that they were changed. There was something different about these kids. They had, they had a mountaintop experience. They were fired up. They had lists of kids they wanted to go home and talk to about God and introduce them to God and say, look, this is what happened to me at camp. They had this mountaintop experience where, man, God was just like fresh on their minds and they could see nothing else through the lens of anything else other than through the lens of God. And then we start driving down the hill and there's a point going down the hill where cell service comes back. And that's the point where it's all over. Because at that point, the world enters again. Their home lives enter again. Their school friends enter again. And everything just begins to, to simmer. Three weeks later, camp was fun. And I want to do it again. But those things that I've committed to at camp aren't really happening anymore. Why? Because I'm, I'm not really having a fresh experience with God. When, when, when we're having this experience with God, when we come to a place like this and we worship and we open up the Word and we hear a word from God... It's easy on Sunday afternoon, Monday morning, to be able to say, I'm available, God. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Wherever, whenever, whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm in. I'm available to you. Friday comes along, it's a little harder because we're farther away from this experience with God. How do we have these continual experiences with God? Well, we need to continually seek the face of God. This place... It is a beautiful place, but this is not the only place we can experience God. God doesn't just show up in church services for you to experience Him. God is available 24-7 for you if you seek His face. There's been countless times where I'll be driving in the car and a worship song will come on and I'm in the presence of God. I know He's there with me. I can feel it. 
It doesn't have to be in a place like this, in the pew with the pastor talking and music playing. And now it, it's up to you. God is available for you. And you could, uh, we have to seek his presence. One of my, one of my favorite scriptures in Jerem- is in Jeremiah 29, chapter, verse 13. It says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back. Now, he's talking to a people that are in captivity here. Just to just lay the context flat there. He's talking to a people that are in captivity here, but he's talking to us as well. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. How do we become more available to God? I think we need to, to have a genuine experience in the presence of God. Here's the second thing that happens to Isaiah here. Isaiah comes to just this, this full understanding of God's grace in his life. I mean, you look at Isaiah chapter 6. You go back with me. Isaiah chapter 6, just starting at verse 5. Right? He, he sees all of this. He sees the angels saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And his first reaction is, Woe is me. Woe to me, I cried in verse 5. I'm ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And then it says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, and with it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Isaiah comes face to face with the grace of God. He comes to the grips. Look, my life is a sinful life. Woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. I come from a people of unclean lips. I am a sinful person, and I have seen the face of God. This should not be. And an angel flies over to him and says, Look, you are, you are healed. You are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are atoned for. Isaiah comes, just comes to grips. He has to come to grips with the grace of God in this, in, this, in this instance. And then the next phrase is God saying, who will go? And Isaiah, having just come to grips with the fact that of God's grace in his life, is able to raise his hand and say, here am I, send me. I have experienced you, and I have experienced your grace. Man, here am I, send me. That's my prayer for us, is that we would experience God and that we would experience His grace. He, 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 Isaiah comes and, and he's with one touch of the goodness of God, everything is atoned for. I mean, you can imagine everything. Everything is atoned for. As far as the east is from the west, Psalm 103 tells us. 1 John 1, nine says, if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. All right, this, is, this is the promise of Scripture here, that the grace is there. And the only response to having an experience with God and coming to grips with the grace of God is, the, is here I am. Send me. Send me. I'm in. There's no other response. Having had an experience with God and coming to grips with the grace of God, 
is to raise your hand. God is calling me. I'm going to say, here I am. Send me. And we don't do it in that instance because we feel like we have to. I don't think Isaiah felt like he had to in this moment. I think Isaiah thought, there's no other response. I get to. It's an honor to serve God. Here I am. Send me. And this is not just a one-time prayer that we have to pray. This is not something we pray on January 20th and it lasts through the whole year of focusing on serving this way. This is not just a one-time prayer. This is a daily prayer. If it was a one-time thing, mountaintop experiences wouldn't be a thing. It's a daily thing to wake up and say, God, I seek you. I seek your face. Here I am. Send me. And I want to be a part of a church where everybody is praying this prayer. Can you imagine how different our community could be if our church was to pray this prayer every day? Here I am, send me. If our church was just to be available to the calling of God, here I am, send me. I think God can and will do some amazing things through the life of this church. Here I am. Send me. We're going to have a lot of opportunities this year at our church to serve our community, to serve those around us. My prayer is that you would have this attitude. Here I am. Send me. I'm in. And not because I feel like you're pressuring me, Pastor, but because I feel like God is calling me to do this. And not just because I feel like I have a duty to God because he's calling me to do this, but because I have such a love and affection for God who, who I've experienced and who I know his grace for me. And there's no other response for me than to say, here I am, send me. I want you to think this week about which response that we've talked about this morning is you. Are you a Jonah? Here I am. I hear you, God. Here I am. But uh-uh. I'm not going. Are you a Moses to say, here I am. I hear you. I mean, Moses even had a genuine experience with God. There was a burning bush that didn't burn. Like, he knew it was God. And he was still able to say, here I am, but... I don't think I'm the best for this. Send someone else. Or are you able to raise your hand just like Isaiah did? Here I am. Send me. Send me. A simple two-word prayer that is much easier to say than to follow through with. Here I am. Send me. I'm available. Let's pray. God, we love you. We give you thanks. We give you praise. You are amazing, God, and we serve you. God, my prayer is this week that each and every person in this room would have a genuine experience with you. Maybe it was this morning. Maybe they've already had that experience. Maybe they're having that experience right now. God, if not, would they have it tonight or tomorrow or the next day? Would they, just, would they know that they are in your presence and would they have this genuine experience with you? Would they come to grips 
with the grace that you have bestowed on them freely, God, to say, your sins are forgiven, I have atoned for everything, and would our response this week be none other than Isaiah's response, here I am, send me, I'm available, God. Would we be available to your calling this week? God, as we go forward, would you go with us? Go ahead of us? Be in our homes, be in our conversations, be in our workplaces, be in our grocery store, in our cars as we're driving and Will we make a difference for you wherever we may find ourselves? And would we be available this week? God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray this prayer of blessing over you. Just hold your hands out. Just receive this blessing. May our God... The God to whom the angels sing a holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. God who created you, made you, and knows you. Go ahead of you this week and with you this week. May you find him and experience him this week and come to grips with the grace that he has bestowed on you. And may you be willing to pray, here I am, send me. Go in the grace and the peace of God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for coming this morning.